More violence in the Gaza Strip. The Israeli military says a bus has been hit by fire as air raid sirens sound in southern Israel. This comes after a clash that left seven Palestinians and an Israeli military officer dead. Listed in good condition, two U.S. naval aviators who ejected before their F.A. 18 warplane crashed in the Philippine Sea. The U.S. 7th Fleet says the jet had taken off from the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan and developed mechanical trouble. A rescue helicopter from the Reagan picked up the two flyers. Recordings from an Amazon Echo could soon become key evidence in a double murder. Prosecutors in New Hampshire believe an Echo device captured clues in the deaths of two women. A judge has now ordered Amazon to release any possible recordings on its servers. Amazon says it won't turn over customer, customer information unless it's served with a valid legal request. Scooter maker Lime is recalling one of its models of electric scooters. There are fears that those scooters made by a Chinese company could break apart after being ridden several times. The 100th anniversary of the end of World War I was marked on Veterans Day. There were events worldwide in Philadelphia. The National Constitution Center bestowed its Liberty Medal to former President George W. Bush and his wife, Laura. They were honored for their work helping service members and their families. Laura and I are the second and third members of our family to have received this award. The most deserving, of course, was the first. And I'm proud to follow in my dad's footsteps once again. The wildfires are still burning out of control in parts of northern and southern California. So we want to get you caught up. More than 30 people have been killed. Thousands of acres have been scorched. 8,000 firefighters have been working around the clock. We're going to begin in Agora Hills, California. That's where we find our chief national correspondent, ABC's Matt Gutman. Uh, in the aftermath of what happened here, this is in southern California, obviously in the Malibu area, Calabasas, you get a sense for the violence of the hurricane force firestorm that came through here. Just look at this car. Um, my cameraman and I have been scoping out in just innumerable ways that the fire can cause this incredible damage. I think there were books inside. Check this out. I mean, everything just completely pulverized, turned into this fine dust. And uh, the firefighters tell me that when the soil here turns white like that, uh, basically what that means is that this fire was baking everything at thousands of degrees. That's why you get these incredible sights. Um, you think about the terror of the people who lived in these homes that have completely melted. Now the fire moved through here at such enormous speed that firefighters tell us it was consuming 80 football fields a second at one point during the weekend. And that's why here and in Northern California, we've seen so many people who just couldn't make it out. Um, the two fatalities here died in their car, according to authorities. Obviously, many more people lost their lives in Northern California, and we've been looking at this. Uh, whatever happened here, obviously the fire and that storm of wind fueling it severed that water pipe, and it's been geysering like this for a while, creating this um, sort of mind-bending landscape of destruction. And I just want to give you a sense of the scale in a place like this. Um, we haven't actually found the end. This goes up uh, a little bit over there, that road, and, and this community seems to be completely devastated. Dozens and dozens of homes incinerated. There is literally nothing left here. And I just want to give you a sense of some of the strange things that, that persisted. A, a pumpkin somehow managed to survive here. And you see uh, 
some of the, the kids' toys, bikes like that uh, behind me, that uh, nothing is left but the, these steel carcasses um, that are here. Um, one of the things that we've seen all across here is entire mountainsides denuded. And that's actually good news. Uh, there is concern that the Santa Ana winds, which are forecast to persist through Wednesday, are going to kick up. But there is literally nothing left to burn in areas like this. So the concern is not that the fires will be re-triggered in places like this, but uh, in other places across Southern California. And um, the Santa Anas are forecast to go from basically the border with Mexico uh, all the way north to where we are here in northern Ventura County. Um, firefighters, and we're talking about 8,000 across this part of California, are already so stretched. They've been battling these flames for days. They've been fighting fires in the California fire season basically all year long. Fire season doesn't seem to end. Uh, they are stretched to the limits and they are suffering from it because of it. Um, they don't go home during these long spells. Last year we covered the Thomas fire, which then was one of the most catastrophic and, and uh, destructive in California history. Um, and those folks who'd been fighting the flames there had been on the fire lines during Christmas and New Year's, and then they came back to Montecito for the mudslides uh, right after that. As a result, 2017 saw more fatalities for firefighters from suicide than from fighting fires, and we're forecast to pretty much get the same kind of numbers this year. Suicide rates among firefighters have simply skyrocketed, particularly in California, because these folks are not able to have as much downtime and family time as they have had in the past because of these persistent fire seasons. And what we're seeing is something that just doesn't seem to end, and the violence of these fires is something that uh, is hard to mind your wrap your head around, uh, you know, as many hours as we spend in places like this. ABC's Matt Gutman from an ashen Agora Hills, California. Incredible images behind Matt. And we're going to stay in Agora Hills now and turn to ABC's Natalie Brunel. Uh, Natalie, the sunshine's on your face there. It, is it anything still burning? Well, it, it doesn't look like it if you look up at the sky, but there are definitely still some areas of danger because we are in a red flag warning. I'm actually in Oak Park, California, and one neighborhood that was particularly hit hard with homes looking like this one behind me, and we actually just got some updated numbers from officials. We know that the Woolsey fire has burned more than 90,000 acres and is now 20% contained. Now, again, that does sound like good news, but we have a red flag warning with high winds and bone dry conditions expected today so we are not out of the clear yet and we do now know that at least 370 homes just like this one burned down um, a firefighter actually lived here fortunately he and his family were able to get um, out in time the house right next door to it to the right also destroyed but then a lot of the homes near it look completely untouched which just goes to show you the erratic nature of this fire that was sort of leapfrogging through the neighborhood as these embers were sent flying by the very strong Santa Ana winds. And again, we are expecting more of those winds today. We've already felt them pick up very um, strongly this morning, Aaron. And that's certainly not good news for firefighters. Have they been telling you anything about their progress or how well they're going to be able to do today? 
Well, uh, today they're just very concerned about these winds, but they have been able to make that progress. So it doesn't seem as though the fire is spreading, although they have had some spot fires light up, one in the Chatsworth area. Um, and so that's really the big concern. Will more fires spark as a result of these conditions today? All right, Natalie, we appreciate it. ABC's Natalie Brunel in Oak Park, California. We're going to move to Calabasas, California now, staying in the same general region with Sid Garcia from KABC. Uh, Sid, where you are, what's the, the, the latest? Paint us the picture. Let me paint you the picture. It is eerily quiet, even though it is a holiday. The entire city, we're talking about a community of about 20 to 25,000. The entire town under a mandatory evacuation order. It was issued yesterday. And the reason for that is because of the proximity to the fire. Calabasas is one of these more affluent communities in Southern California. You may have heard of it through the Kardashians, Will Smith, celebrities such as that. Um, they're all evacuated. They all had to pack up and go yesterday afternoon. There were a couple of hot spots that caught the attention of firefighters as the fire was burning up towards some hills close to some very expensive homes, but that is out. The, one of the reasons why this entire city was evacuated, just because if firefighters need access and not have to worry about people driving around as they're getting, going from hotspot to hotspot. So far, so good. Nothing has really burned here. There have been a couple of homes during the initial stages of the fire that were destroyed near the 101 freeway. However, it is eerily quiet here. And for many of us reporters covering this, this is personal. My kids and their mom were evacuated. They lived just up the road, and I had to go up and take a picture and let them know that the, everything was okay. But this community, until further notice, is under a mandatory evacuation order. Sid, I'm struck by the, the weather behind you. I see blue sky, I see sunshine, and in the days prior, we've only seen thick gray smoke and, and ash. Very deceiving. It is, but if you go down the road a few miles and hang a left and go down to Las Virgenes and heading towards the ocean, you will see the gray cloud of smoke. Here, the wind has pretty much pushed everything away. When we started chasing this fire, covering it on Friday, it was like a thick, smoky fog. You could barely see your hand in front of you. And that was a problem for first responders, and that's one of the reasons why you had the mandatory evacuation orders. They're the pros. They know how to drive through here. But it's deceivingly nice. It's a cool, brisk morning here, but just a few miles away on the other side of the hills, you've got more devastation to deal with because of this catastrophic fire. Oh, we appreciate Sid Garcia from KABC bringing us up to date. As he says, it is so personal for people who live and work in that area. And as Sid says, uh, they are not out of the woods yet with those Santa Ana winds picking up once again today. We're going to move to the deadliest fire now in the cluster, and that is in Northern California. At least 29 people have been killed, and ABC's Will Carr is in paradise. To understand why the death toll continues to jump here in Paradise, California, you have to understand the extent of the devastation. You're not just talking about blocks like this that are burned to the ground. You're talking about an entire city that has been wiped off the map. Now, search crews are combing through rubble miles and miles away from us looking for the missing because there's still more than 200 people 
who are missing. We actually spoke to a nurse who worked at the local hospital. She helped rush elderly patients outside when the flames were bearing down on this community. Then she tried to get to safety. She jumped in her car, drove down the road, but got surrounded by flames. So she got out of her car and tried to make a run for it. She was uh, surrounded by smoke in that fire and ran into some firefighters. She realized that her pants were actually on fire. The firefighters grabbed her. They put uh, the fire in her pants out and then they got her to safety. She is thanking those firefighters for helping save her uh, life. Along those lines, we've learned that more than 90 first responders who are out here working day and night, 24-7, uh, since the fire broke out on Thursday, more than 90 actually have lost their homes due to this fire. They have lost everything, even though they're continuing to work around the clock. Simply harrowing from ABC's Will Carr in Paradise, California, that has been completely lost because of these wildfires. I want to turn next to our forecast and meteorologist Rob Marciano is in Malibu to bring us up to date on the fire conditions and the rest of the weather now. Here in the fire zone, people just reeling from California's most deadly and most destructive fires in the state's history. And here's what it looked like during part of that firestorm just a couple days ago, a time-lapse shot from Venice Beach showing the hills of Malibu engulfed in flames and then the damage done by some of these multi-million dollar homes. Some go, were untouched, but many uh, have been burned to the ground. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Santa Ana winds, the situation is the same. And now we have red flag warnings that extend into Oregon and all the way down to the Mexico border for potentially winds that could gust to 70 miles an hour, especially tomorrow. Today, we have a, a pretty tight pressure gradient, so winds will easily gust over 50. They've already done that in the last 24 hours, but dangerously low levels of humidity. So extremely critical fire danger expected today and tomorrow, especially in the morning and down near San Diego, that very well could increase. Meanwhile, uh, snow with thunder across parts of Texas, Amarillo there, Denver also getting a little snow, but this is a pretty dynamic storm that's shaping up and tornado watch in effect for parts of the Gulf Coast this morning and heavy rain through the Mid-South as this storm begins to take shape and tap into some of that Gulf moisture with severe storms throughout the day today into the afternoon and heavy rain getting into the Mid-Atlantic and then the coastal load developing more towards tomorrow morning to really be a full-on uh, nor'easter throughout the day tomorrow with heavy rain along the coast and some snow inland. We would love to get some of that heavy rain uh, to douse some of these fires in California, but no rain expected across uh, the state really till at least this weekend. ABC News senior meteorologist Rob Marciano there in the fire zone with no rain and more wind in the forecast. It's not a good combination. Uh, President Trump has weighed in on these wildfires and he has picked a political fight with those in California who are charged with dealing with them. And so we turn to the White House now and say good morning to ABC's Jordan Phelps. Jordan, what's the president tweeting? Yeah, good morning, Aaron. It's really just so devastating to see those pictures there. But the president's first reaction to these fires over the weekend was to blame California officials. If you've got the tweet there, he says, there is no reason for these massive, deadly, and costly forest fires in California, except that forest management is so poor. And then he added this threat, remedy now or no more federal payments. That tweet has been rebuked uh, widespread, uh, including from a top fire official in California who said the president's message attacking California and threatening to withhold aid is ill-informed, ill-timed, and demeaning to those who are suffering, as well as the men and women on the front lines. Now, Aaron, it's also important to point out that the president's 
argument, in addition to being insulting, is simply flawed. Uh, that official pointed out that 60 percent of the forests in California are managed by the federal government. So uh, the president is pointing the finger uh, at local officials, but a lot of this is uh, lies with the federal government. Jordan, the president is just back from Paris uh, with nothing on his public schedule today, but he was certainly seen a bunch there commemorating the, the ceremonies to end World War One. But he also uh, delved into a bit of controversy, immediately firing off a tweet aimed at the French president upon arrival. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, the the bromance, as they like to call it, between Macron and the president definitely uh, showed signs of strain during this visit. Uh, in addition to that attack, which was later clarified, it seemed maybe the president read an incomplete uh, report of what Macron was talking about. Uh, the president also seems to get a bit of a public rebuke from Macron uh, in a speech in front of the Arc de Triomphe, who said that nationalism is the exact opposite of patriotism. That seems to be a veiled attack at President Trump, who has openly embraced the label of it as a nationalist during the campaign, saying he wants to be called that. Uh, the president also taking some heat during this trip uh, for canceling a visit to a cemetery to honor World War I uh, soldiers who laid to rest there. The White House citing weather for the reason for that cancellation. But Aaron, a lot of other world leaders uh, still made that trip despite the uh, rainy weather. So uh, the president taking some criticism for, for not making that trip. ABC's Jordan Phelps with us from the White House. Jordan, don't go far. We're going to come back to you in a second. But for the moment, we want to turn down to Florida. There is a recount underway. We're going to begin our coverage with Tori Simkovic uh, in Rivera Beach, Florida. It has been a busy day here in the Palm Beach County Tabulation Center as they are currently involved in the recount process. But I want to draw your attention to these tabulation machines. There are eight of them. And right now, there are four races that are being recounted. The race for governor, Senate, commissioner of agriculture, and a state house seat. But Palm Beach County Supervisor of Elections, Susan Booker, says these eight tabulation machines cannot count all four races at once. So she's concerned about their ability to meet the deadline for the those recount results by Thursday at 3 p.m. If she cannot meet that deadline, she will have to turn in the results from their first count that they finished just this past Saturday. If any of the races come between a 0.25% margin, the Florida Secretary of State will order a hand recount. Reporting in Palm Beach County, I'm Tori Semkovic. Back to you. All right, Tori, thanks. You can see all the ballots and you have all these flashbacks to 2000 in the presidential race. But we want to turn to ABC's Stephanie Wash now in the capital of Florida, Tallahassee. Uh, Steph, how's this going to go? Aaron, um, I'm here in Tallahassee where it's been relatively quiet. I'm standing here in front of the Department of State where the Secretary of State, as we all know, ordered that machine recount on Saturday. Um, we are really looking at dueling lawsuits between both sides in the uh, two main races uh, with DeSantis, uh, with Nelson, with Governor Scott, and with Andrew Gillum. And you have on one side Governor Scott saying that he wants to see in Palm Beach County and also in Broward County these tabulators, these ballots, uh, and 
these voting machines actually impounded while they're not being used during the machine recount to make sure that there is no fraud or uh, anything going on that's improper. So those lawsuits are going on today actually in other parts of the state of Florida. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But we're really just sitting here waiting for those unofficial results to come back on Thursday from all of the counties in Florida on where we stand with the machine recount. And if any of those three races, the uh, candidates stand within a 0.25% uh, margin, then we will then go to a manual recount. And those results will be due later in the week. And then on Tuesday, November 20th, we would actually see the official results from the state of whatever th those results may be. You mentioned Governor Rick Scott there, who is declared himself the winner of the Senate race over the incumbent Bill Nelson. There are those calling on, on Rick Scott to take himself out of this process from overseeing uh, the, res the recount of an election that he ran in. Oh, certainly. It's something that we also saw in Georgia, uh, what people were saying with the Stacey Abrams race. Um, people want to see that this election and that this uh, machine recount that's being handled is done in a proper and legal way. And there are some critics saying, you know, how can you be impartial to what's going on if you are running for that seat and also overseeing what's happening? So there are critics saying that. But as of right now, Governor Scott is not going anywhere. He's pushing forward with this legal battle to make sure that he sees what he believes would be a legal and fair uh, machine recount. All right, Steph, sit tight for one second. ABC's Stephanie Wash there in Tallahassee. I want to go back to the White House, though, and bring back ABC's Jordan Phelps, because President Trump, Jordan, has been weighing in on everything going down, down in Florida. Yeah, the president has been claiming for days that Democrats are trying to steal the election from the Republican candidates for governor and Senate there, and he's still at it. This morning, he fired off a new tweet, and he says that large numbers of new ballots showed up out of nowhere, and many ballots are missing or forged. An honest vote is no longer possible. Ballots massively infected. Now, the reality here, of course, Aaron, is that there are no valid claims of voter fraud being investigated on the ground in Florida. It's hard to emphasize the point enough just how remarkable it is that the nation's top elected official is drawing into question the integrity of the voting system in Florida uh, when that's not being uh, done on the ground there by, by those top officials. Um, and Aaron, I'd also point out that today is Veterans Day and a lot of those votes that are now showing up are mail-in ballots from soldiers serving overseas. Uh, they just had to postmark their mail-in ballot by Election Day. They're still accepted through Friday. So uh, that is among, you know, the nation's uh, soldiers are among those votes that are just showing up right now. And votes you'd think the president would want counted, certainly in Florida. Absolutely. All right, ABC's Jordan Phelps there at the White House. Back to the state of Florida and Tallahassee with ABC's Stephanie Wash. We've talked about the Senate race a little bit involving Governor Scott and Senator Nelson. The, the governor's race is also hanging in the balance here with Ron DeSantis, the Republican, and Andrew Gillum, the Democrat. And for a while, uh, Gillum conceded, and he since took that back. 
Yeah, on Saturday, uh, we were at his headquarters where he said that he was taking back his words of concession. Uh, he did note that on election night, he was operating with the best information that he had available to him. And once he began to learn of all of these potential votes that might still be out there to be counted, which as Jordan just noted, with the uh, military and non-military overseas ballots that will continue to come in and can be counted up until November 16th, provisional ballots, uh, he began to realize that there might actually be a chance for a recount here and that the margin might continue to become slimmer and slimmer. So he did take back that concession. He also said that what was happening here was act, could actually prove to be a reverberation for democracy and that every voter, whether they voted for him or voted for his opponent, that took the time out to vote that day deserved to have their vote counted. And he's really been pushing for this. All right, ABC's Stephanie Wash with us from Tallahassee, Florida, where the results are still pending in the races for Senate and governor and you can stay up to date with that story and all of the stories that we've talked about today on abcnews.com check out the abc news app for now i'm aaron katursky thanks for watching the debrief on abc news live